surround myself with people that know what they're doing kind of thing so I'd have to latch on to someone quite quick that I could say oh can you just check this or can you can you just read this through um because you can go over your work a million times and read it out loud but you um don't see your mistakes on today's episode of the unconventional podcast I sit down with Lisa Heleniak aka the zoom genie now Lisa is a mum a business owner, and a dyslexic VA. Now those two things don't normally go hand in hand, but thanks to Lisa's background and a hell of a lot of determination and hard work, she's actually made that combination possible. We speak to Lisa about her dyslexia and how that's affected her life, how she's got around it, and how embracing those challenges has allowed her to launch not one, but two successful businesses. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Andy. How are you doing? <laughs> Welcome to the Unconventional Podcast. Thank you for joining us and giving up your time. Um, as discussed um, before we came on, on air, um, this is very much about me understanding and the audience understanding you, your, uh, your journey, I guess, with dyslexia, because that's been something that obviously you've had to navigate through your life uh, and certainly now as a business owner. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, just tell us a little bit about what you do now, and then we'll kind of rewind and kind of see if we can build a story around how we've built up to that. Yeah, no worries. So I've got two businesses. I run a VA business and Zoom Genie. Um, the VA business is very predominantly dealing with writing, people's diaries, checking documents. So it's probably a dyslexic nightmare. Um, but I muddle through, so we'll. I'm guessing we'll talk about that in more depth. And but the Zoom Genie is more sort of being on camera, being within a session, and I find that a lot easier because I'm not having to write. I've just got to kind of know the tech, techie side of things, and sort of be there and watch what's going on. And more, you know, it's more of a visual thing, so that's a lot easier for me. You're right. We will come back onto that because actually you've said there that the, the VA stuff is probably a dyslexic nightmare. So I think most people will probably want to know what the motivation was to, to go in to going into that. But let's rewind a little bit back to kind of maybe even before you found out, um, because correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're dyslexic, are you probably dyslexic from birth? And you just don't find out about it till later? No, um, it's hereditary, apparently, quite often. Um, I think quite early on, my parents realised that I was really bad at reading and writing. And um, my, I had an older sister who was, she's very intelligent, very academic. And so it was kind of really weird. And my parents were quite academic. So um, it was really weird that I couldn't grasp this whole reading and writing concept very well so in the end they got me tested around about the age of seven and um, I was diagnosed with dyslexia and having a reading ability of about two three years younger than what I was um, so then that sort of then opened out the sort of floodgates of how to deal with it so I then um, had a lady come in and coach me each week um, because you can't sort of get rid of it you've just got to learn ways to overcome it and so from I was going to go to boarding school and I needed to pass the exam to get into boarding school and you needed to be of an academic level to get into a private school. 
so yeah so my parents sort of got me coached to get through but they also thought if I got into a better school I would be given much more opportunities than if I stayed in the state system which may have not worked very well for me um so then I got into private school and um yeah it was tough because everyone was very academic and very bright but it just opened out the opportunities of the other side of my brain that I use which is being very creative very sporty great communication skills and so I was able to do all these amazing things that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity at, in the state system which sort of then took me on a journey of the other side of the brain that you use so um yeah so then um, yeah, so I sort of got into my art and my sport. Um, you know, I did all right my exams, and then I got into Cambridge Art College, but I just wasn't in a place to to go there at that time, the age of eighteen. So then I got into the workforce just to sort of um, test the water, which was fine because it was just sort of shop jobs and stuff like that. And then when I realised I kind of needed a career, and I'd moved up to Leeds, I then got into the office realm and um, then the dyslexia kind of reared its head again because suddenly you're typing, you're writing, you're um, like the biggest thing is um, trying to remember what people have said. Um, I'm okay if I literally write everything down and go away but if someone says to me da, 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 like by the time I got back to my desk as a dyslexic it's gone. Um, so going into the corporate world um was a real struggle but then email um sort of computers and spell check god i'm sounding really old now because it only really sort of <laughs> come about but um yeah so so computers and spell check and everything like that was suddenly starting to advance then whilst i was working because I, I started working at bt mobile and then the iphone just came in and so as as I've sort of had to fall into a harder career then life got a bit easier because of technology and that's where um I've sort of managed to get by yeah. um so yeah so it, it's been a journey but I'm kind of a bit annoyed that I didn't take my creative side with me I think when you're sort of 18 you kind of just want to go out and you don't really know what you want to do all my friends were working in shops and different things and we just wanted to go out and buy clothes and say buy a car and so so the the draw towards getting a job and not living like a student was a lot more appealing um so I ended up going down that route opposed to sticking out in college yeah and when, also at we, that age I didn't sorry at that age I didn't know what career I could have being creative whereas now I think there's so much more out there or you're you're made aware of what you can go into being a creative person whereas 25 years ago it wasn't that heard of you know you weren't going to get a great job if you're going to do art college funnily enough I went to art college for two years oh, did um, you? Wow. yeah and obviously did nothing with it um I'd always been very creative in terms of I loved drawing you know I was I was a really good drawer um I loved sort of making stuff out of wood and 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 and, and building stuff like that but so I went to art college and did did okay but very much like you I I was working from 16 
um, in retail and I was in retail sales. So I was earning commission as well. Um, and I was earning so much more than any of my friends, like at, at 16. And I kind of walked out of college at 19 and then just said, oh, I'll, I'll do a few more hours just to kind of get a few quid in the in, under my belt sort of thing. Before you know it, you're earning too much money to walk away. Um, and then you're 22 thinking, do I carry on this sales journey or do I go into management? And then And then you go into management and then, you know, the rest is history. Um, in terms of, so you, you obviously talked about the plan was for you to go to boarding school. What, what, was that your choice? Um, not really. The, the, well, the reason being is that um, my dad is a vicar and there was a school down in Brighton that was originally founded for clergy daughters. So it meant that I could go to a really great school that cost loads of money but it didn't cost my parents hardly anything because um, as a clergy daughter, you got bursary. So, and my best friend and her sister were already there. So um, yeah, I packed my stuff up and went and I was quite blase about it because my best friend was there and her sister was there. And so I kind of rocked up, had a friend already and, the, uh, and it was just brilliant. It was in Brighton and just, had some great friends it was like a sleepover every night it was just carnage but it was great fun and um yeah so um yeah I don't think I obviously my parents asked me if I wanted to go but I I was yeah yeah of course if if my friend's going why not so it was a bit of a weird I don't think I would have liked to have gone if um my friend wasn't going I think it would have been really tough and quite upsetting I wouldn't subject my children to it, but I couldn't afford it. But <laughs> well, that's why I, obviously I asked because it's it now when I when I think of if I was to say that to my kids now, I mean I, I I probably wouldn't because it just doesn't even compute with me that we would have children. I mean, how often did you come home? Um, so I'd always come home all the holidays and half term, and then one weekend between a the beginning of term and half term. Yeah. Yeah. So probably it would work out every three weeks. Yeah. So um. Yeah. So it was fine. It was a it was a nice a nice balance, but yeah. I just didn't think anything of it. And obviously that school setting, as you mentioned earlier, that really helped you with your dyslexia. It helped bring out other elements within you. That obviously that creative side. Do you think you would have got that same support um, in mainstream school? No, not at all. Um, obviously, the advantage of private school is you've got really small classes. Um, it's one big family. And because you're a boarder, on an evening when you after tea, when you do prep, you all sit down together. And there's, you know, there's people that you're sat with that have already done the work. So, you know, if I couldn't do anything, there was someone there to help. Um, but also you get that focus time of you've got to sit down and do your prep. And so that makes a massive difference and or the teacher that had set the work was probably knocking around in the staff room so you could get them to help you and yeah I just um, don't think I would have had the support um, mm. in a in a state school there would have been 30 people in one class not alone probably 100 to more mm. in a whole year mm. um, and the, 
the teachers had the time you know if you're really struggling god they just give you an hour that week just to to help you um so yeah yeah I don't think I would have had that and then you're in a or you're in a dorm with all your mates so if you're struggling on homework like late at night then it's like oh can you help me can you help me yeah yeah so yeah you've got that support network all around you all the time whereas I don't think if you went home in the state you know your parents wouldn't necessarily be able to help you or you wouldn't be so strict about sitting down and doing your homework and having that focus time so mm. yeah I think that that really helped mm. massively when I sorry I was just going to say when I think about the school system now uh, my youngest son is nearly seven yeah and I think he massively struggles it, 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 there is an argument that he could be dyslexic it's, a, it's an, an avenue that Linz and I are exploring um, because I, I would say that he's probably two or three years behind where he should be. Um, he gets no enjoyment out of reading whatsoever. It's just not his thing at all. That's like me. Even uh, now yeah. I struggle to read. I wish I could, but thank God for audio books now. Mm. Cause otherwise, so <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that is very, very common in boys as well. Mm. Yeah. And, and, and I look at it and think to myself, uh, that's why I asked about the support question because I don't think he gets the support that certainly you would have got in that setting, you know, even even back then, um, purely because there just isn't, there isn't the resource. Um, the, the schools are too overpopulated. There's not enough resource. I mean, schools are crying out for support, um, but they, you know, my wife works in a school, but, you know, they're massively underpaid for what they do. Um, and sadly, there's a there's a real lack of people willing to to put that level of graft in these days f- for no money. Um, so it, it's sad, but there are a lot of children really, really suffering. Um, and then if I kind of skip a bit and go into a bit more detail around what you were saying earlier about your working career and perhaps prior to all of the modern tech coming in to really kind of almost hide the fact that some of us aren't great spellers or aren't great writers or whatever. Um, how how was that? How did that how did that make you feel? Were you judged? Did it bring out a level of anxiety in you when you went in there? Yeah, I mean it was tough. The first sort of couple of years at BT Mobile, which then sort of worked into O2, it was really tough. And um, I quite quickly, I think, because I can sort of get on with people really well, I sort of I. I surround myself with people that know what they're doing kind of thing so I'd have to latch on to someone quite quick that I could say oh can you just check this or can you can you just read this through um because you can go over your work a million times and read it out loud but you um don't see your mistakes so um but then it's sort of because I suppose I was that likable person that people got on with it would become a bit of a joke and oh Lisa sent out an email with a massive mistake in it and um yeah so it I just kind of got around it with my personality and who I am and making those connections with people and like say surrounding myself with people that could help me um but yeah it was tough and then I think then I started working for a consultancy um and um the guy who ran the consultancy he was meticulous about spelling mistakes grammar anything and if you put an email out to everyone in the business and there was a mistake he absolutely had you up 
like in his office. Um, now, if I started there as a temp, now I would not have got the job if he'd interviewed me and then he used to rigorously test people on their grammar. And I mean, you wouldn't, it wouldn't happen now, um, but I wouldn't have got the job. But because I started as a temp and then I became um, sort of one of the team and everyone liked me, then I kind of just grew into the into the business and didn't, um, you know, didn't want to, they didn't want to lose me. And so yeah. I sort of got around like that. But yeah, I, I, it, it was tough. And then, you know, there'd be the odd occasion where I'd make some horrific mistakes. Like the worst one that I've made is like I'd done a document that no one had checked. And I'd put it was something to do with the public sector. And I'd put pubic sector. I mean, <laughs> what a mistake. I didn't see it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was. Yeah, it's it's mistakes like that that you don't see and then they come up and it's funny but then it, it's not funny it is like utterly embarrassing <laughs> it is kind of funny <laughs> now you look back on it because it's just one letter yeah it's i know literally one exactly letter. so um um one of the points you raised there or a little a little while ago which stuck with me was the whole memory thing um because I, I I really struggle with that if I'm fine, like you said, and that's why I record a lot of my, uh, the way that we work the business is at the start of every month, I'll have an hour long Teams call with a client and I'll ask them a series of questions and that will provide me with my material to write for them for the entire month. And sometimes there's so much material in there, I can almost write for them for two months. Um, but that's recorded, that call. So I now record... A, a lot of my client calls because actually if, if I like you mentioned earlier if I come away it's gone like it, it's just gone there's too much going on in my head to remember it if I write it down while it's being said I'll miss stuff that's being said so actually the, the modern technology really helps me in the sense that I can just record it and then go back over it in my own time um, but how did you how did you combat that and I, I guess actually the, the bigger thing there is I think there's a, a real misconception around dyslexia because probably most people just think, oh, they can't spell. You're dyslexic, you can't spell. There's more to it though, isn't there? Yeah, the biggest problem is the memory. Um, I mean, I used to, being a PA, I used to get pulled into meetings and have to take notes of big managerial meetings and then write them up. And like my notes would never be enough and then I just couldn't remember what what had been said in this meeting and the CEO would want the notes and, da, 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 and it just used to be a nightmare but luckily the iPhone had sort of come in and it, it quite quickly you could record um, so I used to take my mobile phone into a meeting and turn it upside down but press record on the you know the voice recorder and then I could sit and write listen and it'd take me hours absolutely hours because these meetings would go on all day and then um I'd just sit sit and write it up because even my notes that I wrote wouldn't be enough to trigger mm. me to remember and it just oh it used to be so painful and um even just simple things I'd go in and see because I used to PA for a lot of um like the finance director the managing director so on and so forth and so you'd pop into their office and they'd say oh can you sort out a meeting for such and such a time on where's it you know and very simple stuff yeah yeah yeah. walk away get back to my desk hmm. 
oh my god what 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 day so it it, <laughs> it was just learning to write you know if I had got called in and it was just a really simple great oh can you just sort of just write it down there and then if mm. I don't write stuff down mm. it, it's mm. gone and it, mm. it's so it, it's infuriating really and it's very hard to learn as well so um yeah recently a couple of years ago I did a CIPD course in HR and yeah it was, it was really luckily there was no exams but it's just that, that learning mm. process it's it's really difficult it just takes mm. you so much longer you just you can't store so if you read a sentence you can't read something and then read it out again it's it it's really really tough I'd say that was the toughest part of dyslexia mm. and I still struggle with that today mm. I I find one of the most frustrating things about this podcast is that I want every single business owner globally to to listen to it because I think there's still such a lack of understanding around the different things that people struggle with unless you're a business owner that struggles with it yourself yeah which a lot of business owners don't so their natural assumption is that everyone should be able to do what they can do yeah but if anyone was listening to that last set that you've just that, that last piece that you just said it would I mean it totally resonates with me because there's so much about what you're saying that I struggle with myself and I've had to find ways to combat that um, and one of those ways is I, I have to live by a list now I have to live by a, like a job list every single day and I have to prep it so the night before I have to know what I'm doing the next day um, or it or it massively stresses me out um, like my list for is already written for the next three days because and and every little thing I need to do has to go on there um, and obviously, the busier I've become, the more important that has become. Um, you said something earlier that that kind of stuck with me about when you were writing and you an, uh, um, an email in in a company, and obviously you you were friendly and there was banter and we all we all we all know banter, but I've been caught out before over the years by pushing banter too far. And how did it did it affect you that even though these people were doing it in jest, oh, Lisa sent another email and there's a spelling mistake in it. Did it affect you eventually though? Did, did it did it kind of at, at points get to you a bit? Yeah, because you just you know like my ex husband, I used to write like you. I still do it now, and I'm very obsessive with lists and especially mm. shopping lists. Um, and I like to write my list down. I know we've got all this technology, but my lists, I like to be in pen and ink. I don't know why, because then it goes in my brains, but I always got a shopping list on the top of the granite. And I obviously a lot of items, I can't spell them. My ex-husband used to go, how do you hold down a job? You can't even smell broccoli. And I'm like, I still to, de- to this day cannot spell broccoli and a lot of things. And um I suppose the banter would never get so far, but inside me, it would, I'd be thinking, why am I doing this job? I can't, it's so, I can't even spell. I can't remember stuff. Mm. Um, So yeah, I think it would never get taken so far that, you know, I'd really get upset, but I think it's that inner Mm. voice, just like, what are you doing? You know, you, you can't, and then sort of, 
then you do something good and then it it sort of washes away and then like a week later there's another big mistake that you've made or or um then it comes flooding back and um you know it's like on a linkedin post like my girls or like a close friend of mine my it guy will say oh you've you've put that and you'd, I'll just die inside that <laughs> I've written that I just die and and then I suppose like my girls are like oh you're such a divvy you can't even you can't spell and I'm like but you but when I say oh I'm dyslexic I always think oh I bet people are just thinking she's just using it as an excuse and actually people don't know the full extent of dyslexia no they don't um, you know there's there's so much to it like my sister did a dissertation to it when she's doing her degree and just reading that because she'd gone into it because she wanted to do it because she knew I was dyslexic it was a really good dissertation to do when she was doing a degree and um just yeah all these things and then I diagnosed my boyfriend at the time when he was at university that he was dyslexic I'm like you're so dyslexic you just so he went and got tested which then got him a new computer and he got the colored glasses and glass um, which weirdly, when I put that over reading, does make it better. So, um, yeah, I suppose people weren't that horrible, but the banter inside just like dying inside mm. Be because you just it's just embarrassing and you don't know whether people are thinking you're thick. Mm. And even if you say I'm dyslexic, it's like, well, well anyone can say they're dyslexic mm. because um, that was a struggle with my parents when they were trying to get me into boarding school. Even though I'd been tested, uh, the headmistress at the time was like, no, 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 she's she's just not bright enough. She needs to go in the year below. And my parents were like, no way, you know, she's we can work with it. So they managed to keep me in this in the right year. But yeah, it's even to this day with my kids and my shopping lists and my lists, it's the I'm still getting the piss taken out of me. And it you just you do just cringe a lot of the time because you yeah. don't see your mistakes that's the thing and i think it, eventually it does eat away at you a little bit and you mentioned there before about linkedin um and i you know even with what i do i'll i'll put a post up one day um and it will do really well not that that's the be all and end all and i've proved that you know adessa and i have got a hell of a lot less followers than some of the the gurus but we've got a booming business that's 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 got you know plenty of clients so that isn't the be all and end all, but I think there is still that part of you that wants things to do well because you've put a lot of time and effort into stuff and then you get stuff that bombs and you have that imposter syndrome creep in. Creep in. You think, can I actually do this? You know, Can I actually advise people on how to, to build a, a social media audience? Um, and, it, and, and, I, and I totally get that, but I think, you know, in businesses now, do you think there needs to be more education around the impacts of what people say and, and how it can, even if they think it's just a joke, what actually the knock-on repercussions are of, of how people react to that stuff? Yeah, I think so. But then as human beings and adults and kids, we're always, you know, it's part of life banter and taking taking the mickey. But I think people are a lot more aware and they should be more aware that of people's struggles and mental health and, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I suppose I've grown up with it. So, mm. and I think sometimes you need a bit of toughening, but it's, 
No, I think people do need to think twice before. I think the reason the reason why people are, are making mistakes or doing things is because they've either got ADHD or dyslexia mm. or whatever. So I don't think you can, you, you've just got to be a bit careful with mm. taking the mickey out of someone mm. who you're kind of thinking is a bit, bit thick because of their writing skills. Mm. You know, I went to a really good school. I've been relatively well educated. But I'm guessing probably people think, my God, her writing skills are appalling. Mm. <laughs> it's probably like nothing on LinkedIn. <laughs> do you do you find that um, because of dyslexia, and I speak to a lot of people with ADHD, and I, I you know, I'm kind of exploring that journey in, in myself um, currently. Do you feel it's almost like you have to work twice or three times as hard? You have to concentrate twice or three times as hard to get the same result that other people seemingly get with their eyes closed yeah definitely um you know stuff that should take me um only a couple of minutes will take me a lot longer and i'm 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 really soft with my clients i won't charge them for that time of me being dyslexic um you know and then the whole linkedin stuff you know I get really frustrated because I think my business could be up here, my Zoom Genie business, if I was bashing out posts all the time. But I really, really struggle to yeah. write a post yeah. and get it out. It's absolutely torturous for me. And you have to find the balance, don't you? But I'm just not in a position to like pay you mm. at the moment. But it's chicken and egg or catch 22 because, you know, if I was bashing out really good content and posts I think my business would be in a in a really different place and so I'm going around in circles at the moment and it's really frustrating that the business might be in a different place but you mentally might be in a shock and I, and I think I'm fine at the moment I know that with the amount of clients and proposals that we've got going out there at the moment <clears throat> there's going to come a point very soon where we've got a decision to make and that is going to be, do we employ someone or do we outsource and to someone we trust? Because ultimately, they're still living and breathing the unconventional name. Um, and, you know, it, it can't be just any, anyone. Um, and that's a, that's, a, that's a tough decision. You know, you want to keep it all in-house. You want to kind of almost have all the clients with you. But I know there's going to come a point where I'd, for that to happen, I'd I'd be working seven days a week, um, and that's just not sustainable with two young young children. So I think that you yes, if you if you look at it like that, if I was doing this, my business would be there. But the reality is, your business might be, but you might be literally on the floor, um, and it's finding that balance, isn't it? Yeah, because to for me to write a LinkedIn post takes like I put one out today and it, it's a work post and it's totally flopped which just is so annoying <laughs> as they do Same as for they me. do and it is Friday <laughs> I probably shouldn't have put it out but you know that kind of post takes me a long time you know I started it yesterday I took my laptop up, up to bed last night tried to work on it more got up really early this morning worked on a bit more and it's just a very basic worky post but that took a lot of my time for one post that's flopped today so and then a lot of brain power. Yeah. So then 
so then I then pull away from doing worky posts because my dog posts and me do really well <laughs> funnily enough and um yeah it's it's really infuriating because I can bash out something from me quite easily um yeah still take longer than the average person and um when I'm doing a personal post but it is a bit easier to quickly especially mm. if I had a glass of wine they're dead easy to bash out I should probably drink a glass of wine doing a work post but but then I like definitely don't want to make any mistakes mistakes <laughs> stray away from that it's acceptable to do a personal post and have mistakes in it but not a work post so um do you write um do you write your posts on your mobile do you write them first and then put them onto linkedin how do you do it um i i write i have to get a word document up it's so sad i'm so weird i have to get a word document up so it's big i think yeah. that's another sort of weird thing of a dyslexic brain of the visual thing mm. um so i have to get it on a big on my big screen on a word and type it i will write notes on my phone like sort of triggers um but i have to write it on word so i can see it and mm -hmm. keep reading mm -hmm. it over on the phone and i think this is what you know one of those things what we're talking about people don't understand about dyslexia there's all these weird things it's because you're using that you you can't use the side of the brain that everyone else uses and so you're compensating on the other side mm. and so yeah it's I have to so if I'm on a train or go or I'm sat in a doctor's surgery I really struggle I'll think of ideas but I can't sit and type my post up it mm. doesn't flow it doesn't come out yeah, um, yeah I think it's the visual and the words it has to be on big and I have to like make it into a really big word document mm -hmm. the words have to be quite big that makes and a lot of sense I, and then I have to make sure it's perfect in word and then I will then email it to myself send it to my phone and then I'll put it on LinkedIn so I can add the emojis and stuff mm. and the picture so I always end up doing it through my phone so it's a really yeah again it's a really long process <laughs> so this it is, is why it's it is just, long it is i know long. i'm sure no one else has this problem but i do and i really struggle and it's really um, infuriating i i wouldn't be i wouldn't be so sure on that i think there's a lot of people that i mean most of the reason that odessa and i get so many people asking about it is because there's a lot of people that don't have the time because it takes them so long to either think of something or articulate a message um, or be consistent with it. So I think there's a lot more people out there like that than you think. Yeah, probably. It's just because I don't have the finances to, to send it your way. <laughs> no, but, but the, you know, I think in terms of the having it big as well, one of the reasons that I write the way I write, and actually I've seen a lot of people over the last year or so kind of do that as well that style you I, I barely have more than two lines together and then i'll break because i can't digest big blocks of text which is why i don't read books so if i see a post and i i take the mic out of odessa all the time because she writes lot quite wordy posts sometimes um yeah and i can't read them i literally i i skip and i'm the same there's so many people that support me on linkedin that I want to support their content, but I I open I hit see more, and I'm like, oh no, 
it's a book. So I go to the end of the post to see if I can see a trigger that I can reply to, like if they've asked a question, but I won't have read the post. No, I've I've commented on loads of posts and then gone because I've not read it and thought, oh, Jesus. But I, I like to support mm. everyone I possibly can because then I hope everyone supports me, which they haven't today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn's being a bit funny at the moment, to be honest. It's having a bit of a moment where it's trying something and I think we're paying the price. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I um, I, I anything that's not got like you say that I need lots of gaps mm. um then I'm just freaked out and I I like say I skip see some keywords think mm. a dyslexic word associates visually associates all the time so I think I imagine in my head what I think the post is yeah. from some keywords comment and then nine times out of ten I've, I've incorrectly commented or just <laughs> really like missed the mark <laughs> so um yeah that's another dyslexic's nightmare Jump to the because wrong I, conclusion. Yeah, but I do like to support people and I do like to spend quite a long time on LinkedIn, as you probably know, supporting and going through people's posts. But yeah, as soon as if, if it's not got any spaces at all, then I can't even go there. Yeah, And it no. takes me a long time to read. I don't think I read very quickly. So I think I probably spend longer on LinkedIn because I'm I'm a slow reader. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of the reasons that most of my content is visual. Because my assumption is, and I think, and I don't know if you're the same, my assumption is that everyone struggles to consume information like I do. So I put, I attach a visual to 99% of my posts. Because, oh yeah, I do. I'd never send one without yeah. just, just, just words. No, I, I can't. It doesn't, I have done on, on occasion, I'll have something scheduled and it'll be like, oh, I literally got nothing to attach to that. And I can't be bothered to take a selfie. So I'll just let it go, and it, but it's very, very rare. And I think that that that's that thing in me that's like, I don't like seeing content that doesn't have a visual. So I must put visuals on all of my content. I can't read a post that isn't broken up into digestible bits. So I must do that because surely everyone's like that. Um, but they're not because there's some really big creators on LinkedIn that literally write a book on there. And I, I, I don't get it, but it gets t- like mega engagement. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that girl Shay or whatever. She writes like yeah. 10 pages. I mean, obviously she's got a massive following, but yeah, I just I get through two lines and think, oh, no, <laughs> I know. I don't know how you managed to do your job, Andy, because you sound really dyslexic like me, but <laughs> um... <laughs> I just never imagined being a copywriter in all my life. <laughs> I think... But maybe the it's the creative you, side of you that you're that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. And so you um, muddle through the writing, the you know, the actual writing. I can write content fairly quickly. Um and obviously I've got every spell checker going, um, because my spelling's appalling. Um but I think you're right. I think it is the creative element that that gets me through. And I actually do enjoy my my I guess the part that I enjoy about copywriting and creating is um I enjoy taking probably quite a boring subject which a lot of business a lot of businesses are and trying to throw character on it yeah um that's the bit I enjoy and I think that's why people come to me for help you've Um, just got a slight advantage on me if you can 
I've got so it all going on in my head like I can talk the talk but I've just you just can you've got that advantage you just managed to get it on paper because mm. you've got that creativity but you can get it down whereas I've got it up there I just can't get it down but speaking to you I do a lot of what you say about yourself resonates with me I, I do look at it and go and I, you know I've never been diagnosed with anything my wife is convinced that I am on the spectrum yeah I've often I've done a test for ADHD and autism and I came out off the scale for ADHD um, and fairly high for autism to be fair but obviously like most of us I've kind of just muddled through my whole life and thought that was just the norm yeah you just learn to overcome it and deal with it don't you yeah but I, I am gonna I have decided to take the next I have engaged with a, a woman who um, Rebecca Pay and Danny Townley um, saw um, and Danny's on the podcast next week actually um, yeah and now I've engaged with her and she's kind of gone through some bits and pieces with me and it's just a case of me then taking that next step um, but I the, the more I do these podcasts and the more I speak to people like yourself it really does open my eyes up, not only to the fact that we as a nation need to be more understanding of people that perhaps don't process information the same way as we do, but also it. I feel like I want questions answered around why I feel I have to work twice as hard to get the same result as someone. And it, and it, and it is stressful because you want to achieve you're driven, you know, I'm massively driven, um, but I'm, I I get exhausted mentally. Yeah, I do, yeah. But I, weirdly, I've got um, half of my VA clients have got ADHD and dyslexia as well, and it's, it's so weird. I'm just like, bloody hell, I just attract them as my clients. But, <laughs> um, but I suppose that's their they're reaching out for the support aren't they from the VA side but yeah. I always find it really weird that I attract these these mm. people but um it it's what I do find with all of the clients that have this is they're so driven mm. and um they're all over the place but they are driven and they've got successful businesses and doing really well um but it's just reining them in and yeah yeah because they're so like onto the next thing onto the next thing onto the next thing and um whereas I'm a bit of a slower pace I am quite driven but I'm a bit more slower pace but. let's talk about VA because we mentioned it right at the start of the of the conversation um and you obviously said about it being a dyslexic's worst nightmare because of having to be organized and not only for yourself but all of your different clients and I know that in recent times with Zoom Genie, and we'll come on to that in a minute, you've kind of wanted to perhaps evolve your career more in, in that direction. But why why did you start your own VA business? It, knowing everything you know about dyslexia and your own challenges, what was the driver there? Well, there, there was two things that I'd worked for a management consultancy after BT or O2 for years and years and years, and I'd become a PA an executive PA worked down in London and I mean I don't know how I did it but I did it but I, I 
like you say you find all these ways of mm-hmm. dealing with it and so I um I I suppose although the memory is difficult and the writing I am meticulous I'm very organized and as long as I write everything down and everything so so I do manage quite well and I sort of do think outside of the box but I've got amazing communication skills and just get on really well with everyone so I'd got all those skills and I'd come to a point in my life where I was in my sort of 40 and I was like if I don't start my own business now I never will and it was like well what do you do and also I wanted to sort of be there for my children so I desperately wanted to work from home and so um it wasn't a big thing then VA but I I just I must have just clocked it somewhere I think um a friend of mine had started up her own business and she was going to be a copywriter but she started it as a VA and I was kind of thinking god I can do that so then I I set up my own business and I've um, been really lucky to have a fantastic IT guy who's just supported me and helped me along the way and um yeah I just sort of had to grab it and and it's that that story of I had to make it work I was a single mum two kids relatively large house that I needed to support myself and my kids and I wanted to show everyone that I could do it and so I was more driven I was Mm. so driven to make my VA business work and earn money from it Mm. um and then obviously we're now five years on and so obviously I set up Zoom Genie last year so and then I think because I was working for myself I could go at my own pace you know I could sit there and only charge for something that would take me 20 minutes I could sit there for an hour and work it out and do it and make it all so it it was just having that flexibility that I could work on a night or get up really early on a morning so it 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 was a sort of great natural progression that's worked out has that been a massive factor for you in you mentioned there working at your own pace and we've obviously touched on the fact that sometimes we have to work two or three times harder um to deliver the same result in the time that perhaps an employer wants it so therefore you you exhaust yourself really quickly because you're on a deadline has that been one of the biggest pluses for you having your own business is that as you say if you want to do it early you can do it early if you want to do it late at night when a typical office would be closed you can do it late at night has has that been a massive plus yeah totally I'm a real morning person so I've got no qualms getting up up at 5am and working for two hours getting loads done and um, you know or if I need to do something after tea then I will and I mean, obviously now people are allowed laptops and they can take the laptops home. But Mm. when I was more in the working corporate world, you didn't have a laptop. Um, When you left the office at five, you Mm. were done, unless Mm. you were that saddo that stayed till six or seven. And I didn't want to do that or couldn't do that. So, yeah, definitely having your own business enables you to work when you want to, when your brains, when you know your brain can absorb and work better. And just having that flexibility and not you know just be able to spend time on something and not everyone looking at you and with VA um I mean I'm pretty good with my clients if they ask for something I'll do it quite quickly but there's no pressure you know that everyone's brilliant they're like oh you know just you know when when you can have it done so Mm -hmm. the pressure was just massively taken off by you're in essence dictating when the work's done Mm -hmm. so yeah massive it was so much nicer, so much easier. Um, 
last week I had Chris Williams on the podcast. Um, and he isn't diagnosed with anything, but he's faced quite a lot of adversity in his uh, life and he's gone through quite sort of some mental health, real mental health struggles. Uh, and it was it was brilliant. But he said to me that my first hire, if you like, or first appointment in terms of paying someone to do anything should be a VA. Um, because he said it when he did it, it just massively organised him to be able to do the things that he wanted to do and be that creative element. Um, and my first thought was you. Um, but then I thought, because now we're going to go into Zoom Genie and you're going to kind of tell us a little bit about that and, and why that, I thought to myself, yeah, but Lisa doesn't really want to do any more VA cards. She wants more Zoom Genie cards. So... Tell us a bit about Zoom Genie and, and, and the why behind that. Yeah, so basically I've been using Zoom years and years and years because I had a client that loved it and I used to roll my eyes every time. Like He used to say, can we jump on a Zoom call? And I used to just absolutely hate it. And then pandemic hit and all my VA clients wanted to do what everyone did and offer free webinars, free coaching, this, that and the other, all on Zoom. And everyone was just trying to get to grips with it. And so I'd always go on the Zoom calls and help them out. And then I sort of sort of came in touch with a, a company that taught people how to present virtually. And so I sort of worked with them and combined all my skills and thought, oh, there's such a niche here because everyone's going on to Zoom. They're going to stay on Zoom now. People aren't going to spend the money if they can get away with it. So I've right. I've just got to. I think as a VA, I always say oh, I'm jack of all trades, master of none, hmm. because you learn so much. You learn being, you know, how to do web design, CRM databases, to diary management. There's so much you learn, and but you want to niche down because it's very difficult to sell someone that does everything. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, so it was a great way to niche down and you know there aren't any other zoom genies that there's one or two people that do similar what i do but i was just like right i've got to take the bull by the horns and and do this so that's where zoom genie developed from from basically the pandemic thank yeah. you pandemic <laughs> do, do you have an ideal target customer in terms of size of business or are you quite open to the, the to various sizes of business um, I think at the moment I tend to help one man bands, um, people who are doing their own workshops, coaching sessions, training, and they've got to go on to Zoom and give their best performance. But actually, it's quite difficult to sort of put people out in breakout rooms. Someone's dropped out. They try. Everyone gets in a faff with their slides, and mm. so I predominantly help one man bands. Um, I do work for a couple of businesses. Um, what would be nice is to have more corporate. Um, I think, yet again, I don't sell myself enough. So I sell myself as co-hosting, but actually I will train you and help you produce a really engaging session. And there's lots of tips and tricks on how you can keep your session really engaged and keep people there because people drop off and start looking at their phones and their emails when they're on a on a Zoom call, even mm -hmm. if it's training. So, um, yeah, I don't push myself enough on LinkedIn to say the other side of my business that I can mm. do, which would probably generate me the bigger clients and a lot more money. So 
I'm working with a coach at the moment to try and extract out my procrastination and um, deep-seated problems, which probably would come down to dyslexia of that. Always worried about doing stuff, I suppose. So, um, I guess that's quite a good place to finish, actually, because amazingly, we've been on for almost an hour. Oh, my God, really? Um, Yeah, no, I don't really know where that's gone. You mentioned there you're working with someone. And I think regardless of whether it's dyslexia, whether it's ADHD, whether it's autism, although sometimes depending on the level of autism, um, you're not able to kind of think along these lines. But if you do have something that holds you back, being able to hit that point where you say, I understand it, I know its limitations, and I'm going to find ways to overcome this so that I can achieve my goals. I think that's a really important point because you've you're working with someone that you know is going to hopefully help you and and push the business forward because you know that your limitations and just working as you is probably not going to happen. So you've made that conscious decision to say I'm going to invest in this because I think that is and I think that's really important point for anyone that does have any challenges within their own uh, what what they're trying to achieve is to almost accept that you can't do it all on your own yeah and I think it's also having accountability I think it's a really lonely world when you're setting up your own business or you've got your own business I know you've got sort of Odessa but you're still on your own Mm. and it's 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 lovely being your own boss but it's a lonely lonely world and Mm. I know the first thing that I said to to Martin when I'd like went sort of had our first thing was said I just feel really lonely and it sounds really sad. I just, you know, you're talking to people on LinkedIn all the time, but mm. you just want a sounding board mm. and absolutely, and someone to say, yes, you can do this. And yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's, but it, it's, it's well worth it because it, it's tough and you have got it in you to do it. And I think, especially if you have got dyslexia, ADHD, all these things, you know, it's a known fact that you use a different side of your brain and you are really driven and you've got all these amazing skills and someone calls them superpowers. Um, So yeah, just, you've got to extract it out. And if you need someone to help you extract that out, Mm. then it's well worth it. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Lisa, it's been an absolute pleasure as ever. No, thank um, you for having me on. Hope I haven't bored everyone. <laughs> I can't believe it's gone so quick, to be honest. I know, it's so weird, isn't it? Feels yeah. like it's about five minutes. I know, I know. Um, yes, thank you very, very much for giving up your time. And um, yeah, we'll speak again very soon. Yeah, well, if you need a VA. <laughs> <laughs>